Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. Because when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, your praise gets born again and your faith gets born again. When you make it out on the other side, I don't need a cheerleader to pet me up this morning. I just know that if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, It's not enough just to have the Holy Ghost, but you have to continually and constantly be renewed by the gift of the Spirit. You have to get in some service where you get revived again. Hear me today. You can have the Holy Ghost in you, but if you don't ever stir it up, that's why Paul said you got to stir up the gift. We can come to church and float around and just be lukewarm, or we can stir up the spirit of the living God. Amen. While you're still standing, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 3. I want to read just a couple verses of scripture here. Luke 3 starting with verse 16. was a uh, there was a tweet this past week that had gained some popularity of a former McDonald's employee and uh, he shared that he had worked at McDonald's I don't remember the time frame it was over a year I believe and he said that he said everyone that came and ordered a 10-piece chicken McNugget he said I bet I put an extra nugget inside of every 10 piece of nugget that was ever ordered and this tweet gained this massive popularity and began to be shared all over the place and some people were like man you're robbing there like that's kind of stealing but i kind of look at it as like hey if i go and i order a 10 piece and all of a sudden there's an extra nugget in there praise the lord i'm 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 headed back and i, I thought about that you know we come to church and we have expectations of god i believe that god always exceeds our expectations don't you Amen. The presence of the Lord is in this place. You might have come in here with an idea of what was going to happen, but God will always exceed that expectation. He's got an extra nugget for you today. You believe that? I believe that. Luke 3, 16 through 17, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Verse 17, whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. 
And I just want to preach for the next few moments on this title, Revived Again. Revived Again. I feel the Lord in this place in such a very strong way. This word, I believe, is for everyone that is in this place today. And I just would ask you, would you just be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and sensitive to the Word of God and just receive everything that He has for you? Would you lift up your hands and your voice one more time? Let's call upon His name. Lord, we love you in this place. Lord, we give you praise, God. You are worthy of every word of worship. God, we ask you just to fall in this place. I pray that your word would minister in this house, in this hour, Lord. Help us to be sensitive to it, Lord, and we give you the glory and the praise for it all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. I want to remind everybody uh, at the start of my message that that you are a traveler in this life. You are a traveler. We we this this world is 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 not our home, and we have songs that we sing about it. And I want to remind you that that we're meant to be travelers and not wanderers in this life. We are headed to a sure destination. We are headed to be with the Lord one of these days. And and I believe that all along your walk with God, that you and I need to be revived again and again and again. You see, for so long we have we have viewed certain things as the finish line, but you've heard me say there is no finish line until we walk through the pearly gates and we walk on streets of gold. That's the finish line that we're all after. But we have deemed other things to be certain finish lines, but I believe that you don't just get a blessing and you don't just get your salvation certificate and, and dust the dust off it every once in a while and, and show people that you've been born again and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. No, but I believe that you have to continually all have all along touches with God. You have to have encounters with God time and time again that will revive your spirit. I'm thankful today that the Holy Ghost wasn't and isn't the finish line. I'm thankful today to know that it's the doorway that I walk through to everything else that God has for me. You see, the Bible says in John 3 and 3 that you must be born again, right? All right. And and, and in a broader sense, when Jesus said that you must be born again, I believe that he was also saying that there are some things in your life that needs to be born again. There are some things going on while we're traveling, while we're on this journey called life, that there is some things in order for us to see and enter the kingdom of heaven and all that God has for us. I believe that there are some things in our life that God says, hey, this needs to be born again. You'll find it time and time again how you'll find yourself in situations where you see your faith might need to be born again all right your faith when you've walked with God for a few years you realize that sometimes my hope needs to be born again or my peace needs to be born again or my vision maybe my vision needs to be born again or how about my enthusiasm for the work and the things of God maybe those need to be born again or my passion and my zeal 
Understand this morning that as you go through life, you go through seasons, and each season is different from the other, and some are better than others, and some are worse than others, and you'll find yourself finding that maybe my prayer life needs to be born again. You'll go through highs, and you'll go through lows, and you'll you'll feel, feel like, hey, this in my life, maybe my prayer and my Bible reading and my fasting needs to be born again. Your praise. Your praise needs to be born again in some moments at some times. Or if not, Brother Bishop, you'll just come in here and we'll just kind of stand around and we'll go through the motions. But how many know that when you've gone through a valley and when you've gone through a crisis and you get out on the other side, your praise gets a little born again, right? Your worship gets a little born again. It gets revived again. Oh, that's when nobody has to beg you to raise your hands and say, Lord, I love you. That's when nobody has to get up and have a pep rally and say, hey, we need to praise the Lord. Because when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, your praise gets born again and your faith gets born again. When you make it out on the other side, I don't need a cheerleader to pep me up this morning. I just know that if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. Your praise and your worship, they get revived again. When you look at the book of Revelation, I love this. Everything is new. Everything is new. There's nothing that is old. There's no old streets. There's no old gates. There's no old anything. You see, everything that is in heaven is made brand new. And somebody said, praise the Lord. Romans 7 and 6 says, but now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held. Listen to this. That we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. If you're not careful, if you don't watch it, you'll just start serving God out of the oldness of religion and not out of a revived again spirit with a passion and a zeal for the kingdom of God, for the work of God. The challenge that we have before us today as Christians is to not let anything steal our zeal, to paralyze our passion for God. And let me tell you, we have a lot of that going on right now. The enemy is after the church, all right? Let's make that clear. I think we all understand that that's not groundbreaking news. And the enemy is after us to seal our zeal and our passion for God. We've got so much going on that if we're not careful, we can allow something to get a hold of us and church just becomes routine and it's just something that we do in here and we walk out there and it doesn't have any effect on us out there. Church, hear me today that what is going on right now in here is not meant to stay here. So many times we have confined God to just on Sunday. But let me tell you, he can move on Monday. He can move on a Tuesday. You can have a move of God on a Wednesday morning.
First Thessalonians says this, that when the rapture of the church takes place, it says this, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then watch this. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Notice the qualifications for going up in the rapture. You have to be alive and you have to remain alive. You know, there are some people when they got born again, they were alive. Their praise was alive. Their passion was alive. They were on fire for God. But that's not enough. You have to be alive and remain alive. Well, how do I do that, Bryce? How do I remain alive? The Bible tells us in Titus 3 that we are saved by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, it's not enough just to have the Holy Ghost, but you have to continue continually and constantly be renewed by the gift of the spirit you have to get in some service where you get revived again I wonder what would happen if every one of us here got revived again this morning I wonder what would happen if we would find ourselves being born again speaking in tongues as the spirit gives the utterance come on clap your hands unto the Lord today How long has it been since you got lost in God's presence and got renewed by the Holy Ghost? If there is one thing the church needs today and in our lives individually, it is a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost. We need a Holy Ghost invasion. We need God to crash our services. We need a divine interruption. I believe what revival is waiting on is personal revival. For us each to personally be revived again and again and again. I believe that revival is standing and knocking at the door, but it's waiting on personal revival. And what this church needs, what I need, is I need the Holy Ghost to completely interrupt me and my format and everything that I think needs. I need him to show up like he did in the upper room suddenly and supernaturally. We need our spirits stirred up. We need a Holy Ghost breakthrough. I need to be revived again. We need to be revived again. You say amen. Amen. Recently, for those of you who are connected to me on social media, you know that I recently became a coffee drinker. Praise the Lord. Now I'm allowed in certain places. Not looked down upon. Certain conversations. I started out not really sure how to drink the stuff. But I remember coming home. It was a Wednesday and Wednesday, it's a blur, you know, 
come home, get ready for church, throw myself in the office and, and, and get ready and prep for a Wednesday night Bible study. I love Wednesday night Bible study. Yes. I love it. But uh, I came home super exhausted. I told Mallory, I said, I am, I am beat. I am, I am done. She's like, let me make you some coffee. And I was desperate. How many know you'll, you'll do some crazy things if you're desperate, right? I was desperate. And, and, and used to coffee, you know, I, I would say that if you, you know, if you liked coffee, you know, or, or something like, I, I would say, you know, that, that's a lie and the truth is not in you. But now I'm one of those. <laughs> I'm one of them. <laughs> Praise God. And so I, I started out with just a couple things of uh, uh, a couple things of sugar and a splash of milk just to change the color a little bit. Some of you are like, man, you're not a real bad yet. Wait till you drink. I'm not there yet. Please just allow me, allow me some time to get there. But I began to throw that in there and, and I got acclimated to the taste and I, and I liked the taste and people were like, oh man, you gotta try creamer. You gotta throw some, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good right where I'm at. But then all of a sudden, one time we were, I think we were out of something. I didn't know if it was milk or whatever it was. Uh, but somebody, we had some creamer in the fridge. We had a hyphen over at our house and there was some, there was some creamer in the fridge. And how many put creamer in their coffee? All right. All right. I feel it. I feel it in here. All right. So I would start out with a little creamer and, and, and now that's my go-to. And Mallory's like, it's, it, I believe it's, it was, it was hazelnut. And people were like, I don't know how you drink hazelnut. It tastes like an old boot. Let me just tell you, coffee in general tastes like an old boot. Come on now. Let's be honest. So I started putting a little bit of creamer in and I had to put it in the bottom of my cup and I pour open that, just pour, pour over that fresh, hot, brewed Folgers. It was glorious. Just the smell of it just gets my blood pumping in here. And I just say, hey, let the caffeine flow through my body. I need you today. I look forward to coffee now. Is that the sign of me getting old? I don't know. You be the judge of that. But, but here's what I found out. That if, if you just put the creamer in the bottom and you pour that coffee over, what is the next step? You gotta stir that baby up, right? Or else you're gonna get a little taste of coffee in there. Sometimes I tell Mallory, I'm like, man, my coffee tastes like coffee today. Some of you are like, I'm a coffee drinker just as long as it don't taste like coffee. Let me tell you, you don't like coffee then, right? It's like those who say, oh, you got to try this fish. You'll love this fish. It doesn't taste like fish. You, well, then you don't like fish. <laughs> taste this fish. It tastes like chicken. Well, let's just get some chicken, all right? <laughs> it's way easier. But you gotta pour that drink in there and you gotta stir it up just a little bit. You can't just let that creamer sit down at the bottom, all of that goodness, all of that glory down in the bottom. But you've gotta take your spoon and you've gotta begin to stir it up because all of that stuff that you put in that drink to make it taste better, it's gonna stay down at the bottom unless you stir it up. Hear me today. You can have the Holy Ghost in you, but if you don't ever stir it up, that's why Paul said, you got to stir up the gift. We can come to church and float around and just be lukewarm or we can stir up the spirit of the living God. 
You see, I believe that greater is he that is in me, but I got to stir that up. He didn't give you the Holy Ghost. He didn't give you his spirit, the comforter, the power of God in you just to lay dormant. But you, my friend, got to stir it up. You got to revive, get revived again. But if you don't stir it up, it has no effect. You got to stir it up. Somebody shout, stir it up. I love the story in the Bible. Joseph and his brothers. And I love how, 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 how they get to the point where his brothers are going to convince their dad that, hey, their brother is alive. Their brother is, is well. Their brother is still alive. And that's what I want to do to you this morning. I want to remind you that our God's not dead, but he is alive and well. And he sits on the, your Savior is alive and he's conquered your enemy. He is alive and he is ruling. Jacob, when he saw the wagons of provision that Joseph, his son, had provided, here's what he said. He said, it is enough. Read that in your Bible. Think about this. He said, it is enough. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I believe what you're saying. I believe that he's alive. And he jumped up on that wagon and his spirit got revived again. And he said, let's go because he is alive. I want to say to somebody this morning that your dream is not dead. I want to say to somebody this morning that your promise is not dead. Your ministry is not dead. The calling that God has placed on your life is not dead. We need to stop listening to the voice of the enemy and start listening to the voice of our God because the voice of our enemy is destroying our peace. It's destroying our hope. It's robbing us of victory and it deters us from being revived again, from stirring up the gift of God that's inside of us and it destroys our faith in God. I want to encourage you today that you can demonstrate faith in God. Don't let the enemy destroy your faith. Don't let him lie to you any longer and say that God no longer does miracles. But my friend, you can demonstrate your faith here this morning. And anytime we demonstrate faith, we are relying on him to do something in our life. Because that's what faith is. That's what faith is. When you demonstrate faith, all of us in here right now, you're demonstrating faith. You're demonstrating faith. You're relying on something. A lot of you are relying on that pew to hold up right now. All right? We're demonstrating our faith. When we leave here, we're all going to get in our vehicles and we're relying, Brother Hogan, when we put that key in and we turn that ignition, that, that ignition's going to kick over and we're going to start up our car, we're going to throw it in drive, and we're going to head on down to the restaurant. All of us in this room, we're demonstrating faith because that's what it is. We are relying on something. Faith in God means that we rely on him and his reliability. All right? Having faith means that God is bigger, that God is greater, that God is mightier, that God is better than me, and he loves me greatly. Here's the problem. 
Proverbs, 4, Proverbs 4, 14 and 12 says, there is a path before each person that seems right. But it ends in death. That's the problem. We are relying too much on ourselves when we're often wrong. Human intuition is not always reliable. In fact, it's just good enough to make us think we're right. Even when we're not. But there is one. I said there is one who knows the way. There is one who is the way. There is one that you can trust because he is bigger. He is greater. He is mightier. And he is alive today. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? For 20 years, Jacob was held captive by a, a coat. A coat. A bloody coat that had been dipped in the blood of a goat. For 20 years, he had lived in darkness and he had lived in a depressed state. He said it in the scriptures. He said, I'll go to my grave mourning. For 20 years, he had sat around believing false evidence. You know why? You know why Joseph was hated more than anything else? Because of his coat. You know what that coat did? It was, it was so loud and it was so different. It made him separate. You know what the devil hates more than anything else when he sees you and he sees me? He hates it if we're separate. If we're not like everybody else. I'm sorry, but there ought to be something different about you if you call yourself a believer. There ought to be a coat that separates you. A coat that says, I am free. I am delivered. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. The devil hates that coat. He says, I'll go to my grave morning. The days of joy and laughter are over. I'll get up in the morning and I'll grieve. I'll go to bed and I'll grieve. And for 20 years, that's what he did. And then one statement, one statement changed it all. That Joseph is alive. And suddenly, his spirit was revived again. What I love so much about this story is that God changes the name. You remember Jacob, don't you? You remember Jacob? The schemer, the trickster, the conniver. He and Esau were twins, and Esau came out first, meaning that he gets the double blessing since he is the firstborn. All right, but the Bible says that when he came out, that Jacob grabbed the heel of his brother. And later when he gets older, 
Jacob puts on a hairy coat because his brother was a hairy man and his dad was blind and he was dying. And he comes in and he says, bless me, dad. It's Esau. And he said, let me feel your arms. And he had goat hair all over his arms and, and he wanted it. He was after the blessing. He was after the portion that was supposed to go to his brother. Later on, he's over by the river and he starts wrestling with an angel. He, now he's a, okay, he's a heel grabber. Now he's an angel wrestler. And he says, I'll not let you go until you bless me. I'm desperate. And God said, no longer will your name be called Jacob, but you will now be called Israel. Notice in the scripture, notice when he saw the wagons of provision. The Bible doesn't say that the spirit of Israel was revived. It says the spirit of Jacob was revived. Everywhere else he's called Israel after the change. But here it says the spirit of Jacob was revived. In other words, he returned to how he started. For 20 years he had been laid back. For 20 years he had wanted nothing. For 20 years he had been depressed, believing false information. But now, not of Israel, but of Jacob, but of the heel grabber, but of the one that says that I'll get the blessing no matter what I have to do. That spirit in him got revived again. Today, there are many churches that are plagued with mildness and calmness and mellowness and absent from the church is that rare dissatisfaction, that rare desperate spirit. And notice in Romans, you read it for yourself, where God says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated listen to me this morning God is not with, impressed with laid back Christianity God is not impressed with people who just come in and sit down and they don't want anything they're not hungry for anything they're not desperate for anything God says I look for a hunger I look for a desperation somebody who is stirred up somebody who is saying I want more than I had last Sunday I want more of you God than I had yesterday I want to see a move of God and that's what God loves it's what he loves the Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force well I'm here today Bryce and I came to church I'm here and a lot of us, we thank God to go ahead and go ahead and move. God, any way you want to do it, God, I'll be, I'm just going to wait on the Lord. Any way you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. However you want to do it, God. However, I just want to, I'll just sit here and I'll wait on the Lord. No, it says the violent take it by force. Church, you will not get anything until you become a heel grabber. You will not get anything until you learn to wrestle with some angels. Until you get a desperation spirit that says, I must have the anointing. Come on, lift your hands up in this place and say, I want it. Lord, I want more of you. 
Come on, when you want it, God says, I love that. We want a demonstration of the power of God. But hear me today. Desperation always precedes demonstration. Desperation will always precede demonstration. We need a desperation spirit in this place today. We need something besides normal religion. We want to have a move of God that drives people to their knees, that drives the alcoholic to the altar, that drives the addict to the altar. A desperation spirit that keeps families together. Our prayer is revive us again. Revive us again. We got to stir up the gift that's inside of us. Our music come this morning. Church, hear me right now. We need to be revived again. We can't afford not to be stirred. We can't afford not to be moved. We don't have time to get comfortable in this thing. I know just like you know that there are many who have walked away from this truth. There are many who have turned their back on the doctrine, gave up, threw in the towel. If you're like me, we can think back and we can remember people who used to worship right alongside of us. We can remember those who maybe even preached a sermon those who would go to an altar and cry out to the Lord. And today you look around and they are nowhere to be found. Why? Because many of them got too comfortable in this thing. People become comfortably numb to the work of God, to the house of God, to the call of God. And you know what happens? We stop taking it seriously. People have relegated something holy into a bi-weekly hobby. And hear me today, this is something that we all will be tempted with. Everyone in this room, under the sound of my voice, we all will be tempted to just let go. To not take it serious anymore. Well, church isn't that serious and holiness isn't that serious and separation from the world isn't that serious and doctrine, the one God, the mighty God in Christ isn't serious. We'll start to get comfortable in this and pretty soon we'll start messing with apostolic doctrine. You hear me today? I want to warn you. I would love to 
end on a shout. I would love to end while you're clapping and your worship, but I feel in my spirit to warn you today that when you start messing with those things that God says is holy, with those things that God deems as serious, you are messing with the very thing that is protecting your life. I'm talking about your salvation. There's protection in there. There is safety in the apostolic doctrine. 1 John 4 and 13 says, Hereby know we that dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. He has filled us with the Holy Ghost. Therefore, in times of trouble, church, when my world is turning upside down, I can dwell in him and he'll be there with me. This is doctrine. being caught and being him living in you and you abiding in him how you've been baptized in his name and his blood is your shelter and it's applied to you and the enemy when you have Jesus Christ's name on you he can't touch you will never overtake you when you have been filled full of his spirit by the evidence of speaking in tongues and you have repented of your sins that will get you in times of trouble you know without a doubt I'm a child of the king what makes you a child of God you've been baptized in his name you have his blood on you and there's safety there's protection what's the scripture say the name of the lord is a strong tower and the righteous can run into it and what they are safe that's applied to your life when you go down in waters of baptism church that is your place of safety but don't get comfortable in it don't start messing around with doctrine don't let it become something that's an option Remove the doctrine from your life. Start questioning it. Start fooling with it and start listening to other things. And you know, it can't be that hard. And all of a sudden we start forsaking the house of God. And we start forsaking godly people in the church and everything that has to do with it. Because see, the doctrine leads to the church, which leads to everything else. And it doesn't matter. You can pray all you want to. You can have vision all that you want to. And you can do all of those things all that you want to. And, and, and you'll feel, oh, this is such a relief. You can read your Bible all you want to. But you start fooling with apostolic doctrine and what you know is right. And what the church staff preaches and teaches and knows is right. And start fooling with the house of God. And start removing it out of your life. At first, it's going to seem like you've been free 
from bondage. You don't have to do all that. That's just a bunch of rules. And you'll feel like you've been set free. I'm here to tell you that night will come. yourself isolated cold ultimately lost totally at the mercy of the elements it can happen I've seen it happen I got good friends that walked away from this I got people that I never thought would walk away from this walk away from this People fool with doctrine and they get the word of God out of their life and I've seen them become comfortably numb. Would you stand with me this morning? It's my prayer that that's not any of us here today. It's my prayer that that's not this church. But we need God to stir us up. We need God to revive us again. Church, don't let us get comfortable in this thing and make it your prayer. Help us, Lord, to take your mission seriously. Help us to be serious about the church. Help us to be serious about the kingdom. God, shake us up today. Church, I am praying for a stirring because I believe that there is a sifting that's coming. Our text this morning, John saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And the Bible says that his winnowing fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. When you have a harvest of wheat, there's a process of, uh, of the wheat that the wheat goes through. And it's called the winnowing. It is part of the principle and the law of the harvest. Hear me right now. What they do in winnowing is they would take large shovels and they would throw their harvest into the air knowing that the precious grain that they had pained over, that they had labored over, that they had prayed over, they would take it out and throw it in the air knowing that a good percentage of it would not return. But it would be blown away by the turbulence and the force of the wind. 
it's the part that when the wheat is thrown in the air the chaff is blown away by the wind and it's called winnowing it was the separation of the wheat from the chaff it's the separation of that part that wasn't rooted in it was the pieces that looked like wheat but were not God knows every thoughts and every man's thoughts and intents of the heart and there are people who are not in this thing with their whole heart they're not rooted in they are as Jesus said this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips but their heart is far from me church I can't help but to hear the sound of the wind that is sweeping through at this day and hour there is a disruption in the spirit and we must remember that God is building a church he's not building a social club he's not building a lodge but he is building his church and there is a shifting that's coming I don't want to just look like I'm a part of this. I don't want to just look like wheat. I don't want to just look like I belong to Landmark Apostolic Church, but I want you to know that I'm rooted in. I want the Lord to know that I'm in it with my whole heart, and I hope that your desire and your prayer, I hope that we would get to the place where we would get real and authentic with the Lord and say, God, here I am. Root me into this thing because I don't want to be a fake Christian. Revive me again. Every head bow, every eye closed. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place right now. His Word has gone forth. I have delivered the Word as best as I know how. Now it is on your shoulders. And I pray right now that you get that desperation spirit. I pray that you get that desperate and that hungry and say, Lord, I need a move of your spirit upon my life again. I need to be revived again. I want to be rooted in. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.